Hello everyone and welcome back to Ginger Gerald, your lucky bastard. Now let's begin this week by wishing all of our American friends a happy Thanksgiving. I hope the turkey turns out okay, if that's what you're doing. I've been away on my jollies for the last couple of weeks, but now I'm back, I'm totally refreshed and I'm full of energy. Not to mention full of tacos and full of tequila and of course I've put on a couple of kilos. Yes, you guessed it, we went back to Mexico. Now, since I mentioned I was going on my holidays, I've been called a lucky bastard by so many people, it's untrue. One of my colleagues even sent me an email which just said, you are a lucky bastard. Not another word, not even her name on the email. <laughs> Excellent, best email I've ever had. Right, as loyal GGYLB followers, you'll already know that I first lived in Cancun, Mexico for a year back in 1995, and then I spent almost nine years there, married and with family this time around, between 2006 and 2014. And at that point, we then upped sticks once again and moved to Mallorca, the place we currently call home. So that's already just over eight years ago. Why do I explain all of this and why am I trying to confuse you with all those dates and numbers? Because today's episode, Mexico Revisited, is all about our perception of Mexico, at least the part of it we visited, it's a very large country as you know, now versus how it was when we were there before. So today we're going, on, going to go on a bit of a sensory trip what looks, smells, tastes and feels different from our recent two-week holiday versus our memories and experiences from when we lived there. Now, before we get into all of that, I just want to check with you all that I'm not too much of an eccentric oddball and I need your help to do that. So, so consider this question and be honest now, nobody will ever know if you don't want them to know. When you lot go back to, say, the town you were born in, or the place you went to school or college, do you sneakily do little detours to make sure you actually see your old house or your old school? And do you stop outside them and have a sneaky little look in and a quick reminisce, bringing back memories of former times? Do you? Well, I've got to be up front here. I definitely do do that. In fact, I never miss an opportunity to do it. Maybe it's partly because I've been overseas so long that I fairly rarely go back to these significant places from my past. So when I do, I have to take advantage of them and soak up all of the memories and all of the feelings. When T's with me and we go back to Stoke, she takes the mickey constantly. She says things like, well, we need to go to the shop, Ginger. I guess we'll be driving past your old house on the way there. The good thing is that she doesn't know the area I was brought up at all. So it's pretty easy for me just to drive around pretending that I'm going directly from A to B. But in fact, little be known to her, I'm going via a very specific personal landmark like my infant school. Or the house I got left behind in once when my family headed off on holiday. It's true. I was the original home alone. Anyway, I really, really do hope that I'm not alone and that at least some of you out there do the same as I do. 
And in my case, it makes me feel good. I get quite a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. But these feelings and memories, they're not just limited pl to places from my childhood. They extend to other places where I've lived or spent some time. Just a few months ago, for example, I was going to Paris on a business trip and I was taking the bus service from Orly Airport, which is in the south of the city, up to the city centre. Now there I was, sleeping away on the bus and no doubt dribbling a bit and snoring away in a most embarrassing way. Anyway, I suddenly come to with a bit of a start. I look outside of my bus window and I realised that the bus was directly outside the entrance gate to a place called Cité Universitaire, exactly where I'd lived for a year as a student some 35 years previously. It was weird, like I was still asleep or dreaming it. So I stared out as we went past and by just being there, I was able to bring back memories that I don't think I'd have otherwise recalled. For example, the extremely cheap but absolutely dreadful food served in the canteen. And I have an even stranger example. There I was watching the hockey from the Commonwealth Games last summer on telly. And I got a glimpse in the background of a large, tall clock tower. And I got this really funny feeling of familiarity, but for a little while, I couldn't work out why or where it was coming from. Well, I looked it up and it turned out that the hockey was being played on Birmingham University campus, the uni I graduated from back in 1988. Although, to be honest, if it had been the campus pub in the background, I might have got an even stronger feeling of familiarity. So, for all those of you who've lived overseas in a specific place for quite a while, or maybe been brought up in a place and then you move, how does it make you feel when you go back? And that all brings me to my very lovely recent trip to Mexico in which we took in Cancun, Riviera Maya, Isla Mujeres, Valladolid and Bacalar. Now Mexico, I mentioned it's a very, very big country. That's the area that we covered, which is on the coast, uh, the east coast and the Yucatan Peninsula. The first thing that hits you when you go back to a place that you know and love from years ago, and the most obvious, is what you see. Doesn't usually look the same as you remembered it because the old places and buildings, they're either still there, but of course a little bit older, or they've been altered, amended, extended, or maybe they've disappeared completely. In the case of hotels, restaurants, shops, all that sort of stuff, they may still be there, but there's a brand new brand on them. And of course, there are a bunch of new buildings, usually bigger, shinier, and somewhat out of kilter with the image of the place that you had in mind. Now, Cancun was very like that. The growth of the city itself, that's not the tourist strip specifically, but the city of Cancun, the growth has been huge in a really short period of time. The last house we lived in when we were there was considered to be a bit in the sticks. There was only one small corner shop and a gas station that you could actually walk to. That was it. Now it turns out it's absolutely bang in the city centre. You can walk to a Starbucks within a minute and any number of shops and restaurants and it's surrounded by other residential areas. Even our friend's dentist surgery is right there in our old neighbourhood. So that was all a little bit of a shocker. 
And speaking of shockers, the traffic. Now, I may sound like a bit of an old fart here, but I always thought the traffic in Cancun was a bit of a nightmare. Busy roads and very dodgy driving and dodgy drivers too sometimes. Now, if you've not listened to my episode, You Drive Me Queasy, then have a listen after this and you'll get a bit more of the details and a flavour into driving in Mexico and elsewhere. But now the traffic is just something else. It takes hours just to get anywhere. And often you have to set off in completely the wrong direction to try to find a slightly quicker route. Now, to be fair, and like most places, infrastructure, particularly roads, tends to get upgraded after a pace has already grown hugely. Well, Cancun's a fantastic example of that. And again, like many other places, when they begin work in one place, they seem to begin work absolutely everywhere at the same time to cause a massive amount of chaos. However, the beauty of all of this is that driving becomes even more of an adventure and even more creative. You can just create your own lane if you fancy it. A road that has two lanes suddenly has four. Why not if you can fit in there? Plus a few mopeds, of course, taking their lives into their own hands as they weave through their own ways. So from a looks point of view, it was a bit of a weird mix for us returning to Cancun. Parts of the city were totally unrecognisable to us, shiny, new, modern and big. But other bits, like the famous and pretty grim immigration offices, for example, they looked like they hadn't even been touched with a duster, let alone a paintbrush since we last visited them. Perhaps the saddest thing for us in particular was that our fabulous and much-loved sports club, which holds so many great memories for us, I've talked about it so much on this pod, and it was very much the fulcrum of our community, social and sporting life, well, it was rotting away, weeds all over the place, closed and abandoned. But looks are only one thing, and they'll always change. Of course they will. Whatever you go back, places look differently. It'd be wrong and sad if they didn't, to be honest. One of the very many things I love about Mexico are the sounds. Now, I don't think they've changed too much. You wake up in the morning and you hear the chakalakas. Now, chakalakas are birds, by the way. They're quite big. They're not particularly pretty. And they make an absolute racket. They're named after the sound they make. I'm going to pop a video of a chakalaka up on social media so you know exactly what they look like and more importantly what they sound like if I can find one. But the point is, their noise is just so familiar and homely to me, but I didn't realise I was missing it. Now, who doesn't like a mariachi band? The suits, the sombreros, the instruments, but most of all, the passion in the voices as they blast out a Guadalajara, Guadalajara, or a Canta y no llores, or any other, other of your favourites. Absolutely fabulous. And not just mariachi music in general, but music blasts out from everywhere. Salsa, ranchero, reggaeton, a bunch of stuff which everyone seems to know every word of. And then from sounds, we come on to tastes and smells. And this is one thing which I don't think the passing of time is really ever going to change in Mexico, or I hope not. Walking past, or even better, queuing up at a taco stand, 
that's got its cochinita pibil and its carnitas is just an absolute delight. It's a classic. It's time-stopping. And it doesn't matter where that stand is. Some of the very best tacos, and therefore the very best taco smells, are from stands in the dodgiest parts of towns. Oh, and don't forget, freshly made corn tortillas. Gosh, I'm getting hungry again, folks, thinking about that. And I've only just come back. But not all Mexican smells are quite so good. And not all smells are food smells. There I was in a shopping mall. I don't like shopping, but I was in a shopping mall. And there was someone mopping the floor. And I got this sudden whiff of floor cleaner that was oddly really familiar. Now, I guess it was the same floor cleaner we used to buy. And if you'd asked me to name it or describe it, I wouldn't have had a clue. But shove me in a dark room with just that smell. And it would take me immediately back to a couple of the houses we lived in in Mexico. Just like that in a flash. And another smell, maybe a bit more specific to Cancun. And in particular to the lagoon at Cancun is the smell of the mangroves. Now, it's not particularly pleasant, it has to be said. It's a sort of sulfurous smell, and sometimes it's strong, and it's a really distinct smell. But not, not one that ever crosses your mind that you'll actually smell it, and then you get this familiarity feeling going on. Now, it hit me last week as we were on a boat heading over to the beautiful Isla Mujeres, my nose suddenly got invaded with mangrove smell. And yeah, I knew exactly where we were. I thought it took me bad in a second. But whatever it looks or smells or sound like, sounds like, when you go back to a place that means so much to you, the most important thing is how it makes you feel deep down inside. And that's not based on buildings or even food or even music it's based on the people in that place and your interaction and relationship with them now when i lived in the uk particularly as a kid i went to a lot of stoke games yep for better or worse stoke city is mighty over the last 25 years or so a little bit longer i've only been to a handful of games but it's the only place in the world where a complete stranger in the public lose might come up and say to you a up duck and I love it I even say back a up duck which is something that in any other place or with any other person I wouldn't dream of saying and it makes me feel quite good friendly and the people of Stoke are friendly well take that same concept to Mexico and you'll understand why I and we as a family absolutely love Mexico so much the people are just fabulous. Now, I love a bit of banter. And you can have banter with anyone, anywhere. They're all up for a bit of a laugh. And they get sarcasm. Which, in my opinion, puts them a little bit ahead of their northerly neighbours when it comes to having a bit of a chortle. Everyone will talk to you about anything. Everyone is smiling and laughing. And it makes you feel, well, happy, involved connected, valued. I don't know, it's a great feeling and not one, sadly, that you get everywhere. Sometimes you don't really appreciate this feeling until you don't feel it anymore. People there want to help you and that makes you want to help their, them. 
they're kind and that creates feelings of community and belonging. Now, if you're sat back there or driving away, whatever you're up to right now, you might think I'm just talking a load of sentimental, idealistic nonsense about my feelings towards a country which has an appalling record of violence and drug cartel controlled crime. And yes, of course, not everyone's nice. Some people are complete and utter twats like there are anywhere else. But indulge me for a moment. And let me give you a couple of simple illustrations of what I'm saying just from last week when we were there. Okay, so we go off from Cancun and we're going over to Isla Mujeres by ferry, okay? We arrive in Isla Mujeres and we take a taxi to the small hotel we're staying in. It's about a 20 minutes ride. By the time we get there, I know all about the taxi driver's family, where his kids are, what they're called, what they do, what they like to do. I know what footy team he supports. I know how well he thinks Mexico will do in the World Cup quarterfinals, by the way. What he thinks about the development on the island and where he sees himself when he retires. And I only asked him what his name was. And then there was the guy who took us out onto the Bacalar Lagoon in his little boat to watch the sunset. By the way, fabulous and highly recommended a visit to Bacalar, known as the Lagoon of Seven Colours. This chap, I guess, was in his 70s and he'd certainly been working as a captain and guide on that lake for a long, long time. Anyway, did a fabulous job with us, really friendly, really informative, but that was his job. So that's sort of normal in the world of tourism, isn't it? The next morning, our friend who was with us, she realised that she must have left her hat on the boat. So we couldn't really call, there was no number to call them. So down we went to the port to see if we could get it back. And there he was, our main man. It was like he was sat there just waiting for us. He saw our friend turn up, put a big smile on his face and without a word went off to collect the hat that he'd found and he'd looked after knowing full well that she'd return and would he accept a tip as a thank you bearing in mind that many many staff in this area and working in tourism they rely really heavily on tips to make ends meet no he wouldn't not a peso and my last illustration is about nelson our mate nelson we were wandering through a town called Valladolid, which is in the centre of the Yucatan Peninsula, deciding where to eat one evening. There were quite a few new and quite trendy looking restaurants, but we spotted one which was not quite so modern and not quite so popular. Well, the truth is, there was no bugger in it, which wasn't a great sign. But Nelson and his traditional menu of tacos and Yucatan specialities convinced us that this was the place for us. So in we went. Now, it's true that the food was just what we were looking for. There were loads of it and we absolutely loved it. But if in 20 years time, any of you were to ask any of the four of us to recall one particular thing about that evening, all four of us, without hesitation, would just say, Nelson. He was like our brother, our best mate, wasn't that he was being over-servile or just desperate to please. He was, well, genuine. Just him being him, being Mexican. And he was like it with the entire trickle of other customers that came in too. We absolutely loved him. Now, you can find chatty taxi drivers 
great guides and Nelsons wherever you go in the world, can't you? Yeah, of course you can. Mexico doesn't have an exclusivity on openness, friendliness or humour. But my example is Mexico because that's what we know. And that's where we love. And that's what, what we, rightly or wrongly, often compare things to wherever we are in the world. Your examples and experiences will be different. Of course they will. We all have our own benchmarks. But I really hope that when you return to places that you know and you love or loved while you were there, that you still love them when you go back, even though they're different. And that you get the same warm, fuzzy feeling inside that maybe you'd forgotten about. And I bet the main reason for that feeling is the people. And speaking of people, we really, really are lucky bastards to have such fabulous Mexican friends. And mainly thanks to my wife, Tia, has to be said, we've maintained those fabulous friendships over the years since we left. A few of my previous episodes on this pod talk about making friends, by the way, so give them a little bit of a listen for a bit more insight on that one. These friends, they're open, they're generous with their time and energy, they laugh with us all of the time, and they take the piss relentlessly, which is fantastic. We have a million and one photos from our recent travels, and I can honestly say that we're laughing on smiling on every single one of them. They absolutely encapsulate the feelings that we have for Mexico and for Mexicans. And we're so fortunate to have Mexico and our Mexican friends to hugely enrich our lives. We have so, so many memories, warm, fuzzy feelings and friends. And a huge shout out specifically to PL, you know who you are, that we're so grateful for. And all of these experiences, not just for us, for T and I, but for our entire family and for the people who came to visit us, our friends and family, they all originate back to D-Day. The day we decided, rightly or wrongly, to move to Mexico. What a great place to finish today's episode. Those of you who've lived, worked or travelled in Mexico will hopefully relate to some or even all of today's ramblings, and you'll have your own besides. And for those of you who've lived in the million and one other places in the world, maybe some of this will ring true, but others not so much. We're all different. All of our experiences are only unique to us, and perceptions and truths can, can merge and adapt over time. Right. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Thanks for listening sharing and continuing to support GGYLB. Now I'm going to get that chachalaka up on Twitter, Insta and Facey ASAP if I can find the video. And I'll look forward to regaling you all again this time next week. So have a great week. Bye. Thank, Thank you, Ginger, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives. lives.